from Tokyo, Japan, and Changsha, China. This is Down to Business English with your hosts, Skip Montreux and Des Morgan. Mr. Des Morgan, great to be back with you. You too, Skip. How are things? How's the weather for you in Japan? Are things heating up yet for summer? Well, a typhoon just rolled through Tokyo the other day, and we are about to enter the rainy season. But yes, we've had our share of 30 degree days as well. Yeah, well, the same here, as a matter of fact. Well, apart from the rain. Though I hate air conditioning, it is a necessity, not a luxury in this season. You hate air conditioning? <laughs> I would have thought that after all of those years that you spent living and working in the UAE, you would be used to them by now. <laughs> you would think that, but I've never been a fan. Excuse the pun. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Des. In the entire time, We have been producing down to business English. How many different countries have you lived and worked in? You mean including Changsha, where I am now? Yes, including China. Let me see. Ah,、uh, six. And they would be China, the UAE, Bosnia, Scotland, and Argentina, and Japan, of course. But just a minute, that was before D2B. And which one of those, Japan excluded? Were you living in when we recorded the very first D2B episode back in 2010? I remember I was in Buenos Aires, Argentina. You know, I really enjoyed the year that I spent there. I am glad to hear that because the focus of our report today is Argentina. I do know that the country has been facing worsening economic conditions. And I know that they have an unfathomably large inflation rate, but I only have a cursory understanding of the、uh, situation. Well, today I want to take a close look at what is happening there. Sounds good to me. So let's do it. Let's get D2B down to business with Argentina's economic nightmare soaring inflation, debt crisis. And political turmoil. What has led to their incredibly high inflation? And how are the people of Argentina coping in these conditions? Let's start with present day and work backwards. Inflation in Argentina is currently running at over a hundred percent. <laughs> That is not good. The only two countries in the world with higher rates of inflation are Zimbabwe and Venezuela. Like I said, not good.、Uh, Zimbabwe has had rampant inflation for years due to the government printing way too much money. And Venezuela is in a similar position. Why doesn't the Argentinian government just raise interest rates to curb inflation? Oh, Des, they have. Many, many times. The latest raise was on Monday, May 15th. They raised it to 97%. Uh, sorry, you said 97%, didn't you? <laughs> That's what I said. For comparison, the Fed in the US 
has set their interest rate at 5%. And that is considered high. Wow, you caught me by surprise there. Yes, 97% is a very surprising number. And what's the inflation situation in other South American countries? Good question. In Brazil, inflation was an issue for most of 2022. However, recent figures for April this year showed that it has been slowing. The inflation rate in Brazil fell from 4.65% in March to 4.18% in April. That's not bad at all, relatively speaking. That's a lower rate than in the US, which recorded an inflation rate of 4.9% in April. Almost the same level as the Fed's interest rate, interestingly. But unlike the US, the interest rates in Brazil are relatively high at 13.75%. So that, no doubt, is what is keeping inflation under control there. And how about Argentina's nemesis? Argentina's nemesis? Who would that be? Uh, Chile, of course. Hmm. I was not aware Chile was Argentina's nemesis. In fact, I have always thought that they had a pretty good relationship in terms of business. Ah, there's no love lost between those two countries. It's a bit like France and England. There's always a lot of rivalry there. Well, putting that aside, although not as low as Brazil, Chile in April had a manageable inflation rate of 7.88%, almost exactly the same as Argentina's other neighbor, Uruguay, which had 7.61% inflation. And interest rates, where are they sitting in those countries? In a similar move to Brazil, Chile raised interest rates to 11.25% back in January and have kept them at the same level. Then, following Chile's playbook, Uruguay, too, raised their interest rates to 11.5% in January as well, before easing them slightly to 11.25% last month in May. So, remarkably similar approaches with remarkably similar results. Raising and lowering interest rates is one of the main tools central banks have to control inflation. It is sometimes harsh medicine, but it seems to work. So why is the economic landscape so different then in Argentina? To answer that, we need to go back to 2018 to see where the wheels started to come off. So it started before the pandemic? That's right, before the pandemic. In 2018, the Argentine peso lost half of its value against the US dollar. Oh dear. I know uh, from my time living there that Argentinians historically have not had a great deal of faith in their own currency. So, as you can imagine, once the devaluation started, residents started converting as much money as they could into US dollars. Ah, which of course then accelerated the devaluation. That's correct. At that time, Argentina was led by the business-friendly president, Mauricio Macri. He was attempting to reform the economy and cut government subsidies to reduce the national debt. Not an easy task. But his reforms proved largely unsuccessful, and Argentina was forced to borrow a record $57 billion from the International Monetary Fund, 
halfway through 2018. And did that help any? Not at all. In October 2019, Macri was defeated at the polls by center-left Alberto Fernandez, with former president Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner as his running mate. Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner is now vice president of Argentina. I guess so. No way! She was president when I was living in Argentina, and her late husband, Nesta Kirchner, was president before that. Late husband? <laughs> yeah, he sadly passed away in 2007, shortly after she became president. Oh, I didn't realise that. Well, that's quite the political dynasty. Apart from the four years of Macri's presidency, Christina, or her husband, have been at the top or near the top of the Argentinian government since 2003. However, Fernandez's election in 2019 was not seen favourably by Argentina's business community. And a large sell-off in government bonds ensued. And then along came the pandemic? That's right. With no access to capital through bond sales, the Fernandez government resorted to printing money to finance the cash handouts and salary programs it had promised in response to the pandemic. Which is highly inflationary. That's right. I'm starting to see how this inflation came about. To make matters worse, Argentina is currently experiencing a historic drought. Argentina is a key exporter of soy, wheat and corn. I mean, a drought is all they need. Yeah. On average, the soy harvest is around 45 million tonnes. But the forecast for the 2022-2023 harvest is only 25 million tonnes. Almost a 50% drop. Well, that's not good. No. And to add even more fuel to the fire, late last year, Argentina negotiated an additional $44 billion loan from the IMF. And that's on top of what Macri borrowed in 2018. Yes. In fact, the IMF made this loan, in essence, so that Argentina could pay back the earlier loan from 2018. So it's just like getting a new credit card to pay off the debt on your old credit card. <laughs> That's not what you call fiscally responsible. <laughs> no, it's not. And as you can imagine, this second loan came with some fairly strict conditions from the IMF. And what were they? In a nutshell, the government agreed to significantly decrease the fiscal deficit. But at a time when tax revenues are down due to the drought, well, accomplishing that is very painful. So on one hand, it's good that Argentina doesn't default on their debt, but on the other hand, it leaves them very little money to finance their public spending. And if Argentina did default on their debt, then they would have no alternative sources of international borrowing. This is sounding a lot like the financial crisis in Sri Lanka that we reported on in D2B episode 218 in July of last year. 
There are similarities. Both countries were heavily in debt before the pandemic, and both were hit really hard by the pandemic itself. My thoughts entirely. It must be so difficult for people to cope in this economic nightmare. Is there any relief in sight? Not really. The most immediate issue is whether Argentina runs out of money over the next few months. Currently, it is estimated that the Argentinian treasury only has 1.3 billion US dollars, which is half of the reserves it held in 2019. But the government must have some kind of plan to get out of this. It doesn't seem to. Back in 2020, in an interview with the Financial Times, President Fernandez said he doesn't believe in economic plans. <laughs> he actually said that? He did. Which means his government relies on piecemeal steps that don't really form any coherent plan. Yeah, well, that doesn't sound very promising. To further complicate matters, Fernandez and his vice president, de Kirchner, have had some pretty public disagreements, and many believe they will go their separate ways in the near future. Disunity at the top in a crisis? Well, that's not going to help, is it? Oh, and two more things, Des. Uh, there's more? The bad news just keeps on rolling in. <laughs> yes, there's more. In September last year, there was an attempt on Christina de Kirchner's life. And then in December, she was found guilty of corruption and sentenced to six years in prison. Argentinian politics is never dull. So is she in prison? No, she's not, because she holds a public office. So she has immunity. Plus, she has launched an appeal process that will likely take years to come to an end. She is nothing if not a political survivor. The next presidential election is coming up later this year, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it is anyone's game at this point. President Fernandez announced in April that he will not be standing for re-election. And former President Macri also has said he will not run again. That opens the door then for Christina to stand. Yes, technically she could, as the Argentine constitution does not allow more than two consecutive terms in office. Now that there has been an eight-year gap since she was last president, then it would be possible. But she has said publicly that she has no plans to stand. Although, if she remains in office, she would be able to maintain her immunity from legal prosecution. So, never say never. But it does seem that there is somewhat of a political vacuum at a time when the country really needs leadership more than ever. That is an understatement. The economic crisis, super high inflation, an unstable currency, all of those have made life in Argentina very chaotic. I was watching interviews with Argentinians on Bloomberg News the other day. They were talking about how they cope with such high inflation. The common theme, what everyone was saying, was that as soon as they receive their salary, they either spend it right away on things they need, 
or convert it to US dollars as fast as they can. And no one, not one of the people being interviewed, had any faith that the government would be able to rectify this horrific situation. There were certainly economic problems in Argentina when I lived there in 2010, but it sure sounds like it's much worse today. Very worrisome. Very worrisome indeed. And on that note, I think it is time for us to get D2V down to vocabulary. Do you find Down to Business English helpful in your English studies? Consider becoming a D2B member today to learn and retain even more words, phrases and expressions used by native English speakers in professional situations. What do you get with a D2B membership plan? First, bonus content in the form of exclusive members-only D2B episodes. Second, expanded D2V or down to vocabulary episodes that accompany each public episode of Down to Business English. Third, full access to the entire library of D2B audio scripts, all the way from Season 1, Episode 1, to our most recent D2B episode. And on top of all of that, D2B members receive automatic email delivery of audio scripts for recently released episodes. No longer will there be the need to go through the time-consuming process of visiting the website, logging into your account, locating an episode, and then downloading the audio script file. Interested in becoming a D2B member? Visit the Down to Business English website and click on the membership link at the top of the page to sign up and start enjoying these benefits today. I'll get the ball rolling with the noun nemesis, which means an archenemy. An archenemy? Yes, yeah, someone who is always causing you problems. In the story, I asked Skip about the economic situation with Argentina's nemesis. That's right, you did. I was, of course, referring to Chile, as those two countries have long been rivals. In the automotive industry, you could consider the Ford Mustang as being the nemesis of the Chevrolet Camaro. They're both muscle cars and compete head-to-head -head in the market. You can use this word in business to refer to the relationship between many different companies. Microsoft is, or was, Apple's nemesis. Burger King is McDonald's nemesis. Amazon is Walmart's nemesis. Boeing is Airbus's nemesis. We've reported on almost all of those competitive relationships on D2B. Here we have. You can also use nemesis to refer to a person you compete against on an ongoing basis. I immediately think of Sherlock Holmes and his nemesis, Professor Moriarty. <laughs> Classic example of nemesis. Our next word is the idiomatic use of the noun playbook. Literally, a playbook is a physical book 
inside of which a football coach would draw diagrams of plays or strategies to show his players. You mean American football? Yes, I do. American football, not soccer. Good clarification. I thought so. Real football, or soccer as you like to call it, doesn't really use playbooks. In the story, however, I use playbook idiomatically. As an idiom, a playbook is a set of strategies or techniques a person or organization uses. In the story, I said that Uruguay followed the same playbook as Chile in their response to inflation. And the results have been similar. Following the global financial crisis of 2008, market regulators and governments around the world had to update their playbooks to protect against something similar happening again. That they did. Unfortunately, many of the new rules put in place are now in danger of being reversed in many countries. History may not repeat, but it sure does rhyme. Another example using Playbook would be Microsoft. How so? Starting in 2014, under the leadership of CEO Satya Nadella, Microsoft revised its Playbook and shifted their focus away from the sale of software products to cloud computing and subscription services. Good example. That strategic shift has resulted in significant growth for Microsoft in recent years. It has. And now with their investment in OpenAI, they have the potential to do some real damage to their nemesis, Google. Uh, I thought Apple was Microsoft's nemesis. Well, in big tech, everyone is a nemesis. Everyone is everyone's nemesis, true. What is our next word on the D2V list? Our next and final word for today is the adjective piecemeal. Piecemeal describes something that's done in stages or in one piece at a time. It has a negative connotation because the nuance of piecemeal is that there is no consistent plan or strategy. In the story, I commented that the Fernandez government prefers to deal with issues in a piecemeal fashion rather than using an integrated plan. Critics of the Trump administration claim that his policies were piecemeal without any overriding grand strategy. That's one way to put it. Would you like to help D2B reach more people wanting to improve their business English skills? Be sure to follow D2B on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or any place podcasts are found. While you are there, leave a rating and a review and tell everyone how much you enjoy the show. Thanks for that report on the economic situation in Argentina, Skip. You know, it breaks my heart a little hearing about all the troubles. As I said, I really enjoyed my time there back in 2010. And you know, I've never traveled to South America, but I'd sure love to go someday. You should definitely do it if you can. D2B members, 
the bonus vocabulary for today's episode will drop within 24 to 48 hours. So be sure to look for that in your members-only RSS feed. You really don't want to miss it. The bonus vocabulary that Des and I will go through will be to curb, landscape, to ensue, to resort to, and coherent. And if you're not a D2B member, do consider becoming one. D2B membership gives you access to our complete library of audio scripts, bonus vocabulary for each public episode like today's, and exclusive member-only D2B episodes. For more information on becoming a D2B member, just visit the D2B website and click on the membership link at the top of the page. Definitely check that out. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Bye-bye. Have a comment or question about today's show? Don't be shy. Visit the D2B website or Facebook page and post any comments or questions there. Skip. Des or Samantha will be sure to leave a reply. Down to Business English. Business news to improve your business English.